Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. What are we called for? What is the body of Christ called for in this last day work of the ministry? We take a look at Ephesians 4, and he talks about the calling of all members in the body of Christ in the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what all of us, each one of us, are called to do. In a body movement, Jesus ahead and we, the body of the Christ. When we take a look at what Jesus did in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now that's the first level that we must come unto perfection for those that will be used in the last day work of the ministry have to be perfected. That is going up into Jesus and the fullness and measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. If they're going to reveal Jesus to the world and the gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world for witness and all nations, then we must be perfected to be able to reveal as a living epistle as that in our mortal bodies Lifting up our Lord Jesus Christ, that Christ is revealing and through the body of Christ. And that will reveal Jesus in and through the body of Christ. Therefore, the final preaching of the gospel to all the world for a witness in all nations. Now, this is not going to be done over a television set or through social media. It's going to be as it was in the former reign that he scatters the power of the holy people. We see that in Daniel 12. After it's accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, that is the church, then all these things will be finished. And that will happen for a time, time, dividing of a time. Three and a half years, 42 months, 1,203 score days. And that's where it's relevant to us to see in that John speaking to us the things that must shortly come to pass. What things? The things of faith. But The work of the ministry is what we're called for, and many do not understand what the work of the ministry is. It's not the grace of the ministry. It's the work of the ministry, something that we must do in obedience unto righteousness, which will yield the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We are a royal priesthood. We're a chosen generation that we should proclaim this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to all the world as a living testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. We see there in Ephesians 4.11 that he says, for the perfecting of the saints, he gave a fivefold ministry. Those must come to full-grown fathers, not newborn babes, not little children, not young men, but full-grown fathers weaned from the milk and a full-aged that are on the meat of the word. They're skillful in the word of righteousness. They know that we are to grow up into Jesus in all things and all truth. That's the new wine, and it will not fail in them because they will become new wineskins, meat for the master's use. What is this work of the ministry? Well, we know that in Daniel 9.24 talks about a restitution, a restoration of all things. And we know there in Acts 3, 20 and 21, 
that the heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restitution or restoration of all things. That means that things must be restored, just as Jesus stated in Matthew 17. When they came to Jesus, after he came down off the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples asked Jesus, why do the disciples of John say that Elijah must come first? Why? Jesus stated, Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. Not partial things. All things. That's all truth. And we saw that in John 16, 13. Jesus told his disciples, I have many things to say unto you. Those are the things of faith. Faith is the substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen. These things are the things of faith, which are not seen, which are eternal. And Jesus said, I have many things to tell you, to say to you, disciples, but you're not able to bear them now. But when, how be it, when the spirit of truth has come, he will lead you and guide you into all truth, not partial truth. All true. Now, in the Pentecostal reign of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 on, then Paul stated, we see through a glass darkly. And we have knowledge in part. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will be done away with. But then when that which is perfect is come, then all those things which are in part will be done away with. Then we, the body of Christ, will know even as we are known of him. That's a perfect knowledge, the knowledge of God. And it's the knowledge of him that saves us. Saved through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as Peter stated in his epistle. These exceedingly great and precious promises are given to each of us, whereby we are made partakers of his divine nature, holiness. And without that divine nature that we are partakers of, called holiness, We will not make heaven regardless if someone has said, well, I've asked Jesus to come into my heart. Well, did you mortify the deeds of the flesh? Did you crucify the flesh with the affections of the lust? Did you have a transformation of your mind? Not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you is? Or did you just haphazardly go to church and say, well, everybody's saved, I'm saved, so there's no work of the ministry. It's just all grace, and everybody's going to heaven because Jesus is love. That is an absolute lie. Jesus stated that. When they asked Jesus, said, few there be that be saved, Lord, Jesus didn't mince word. He said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. That's a very narrow gate. Go straight to the gate and there are the way that leads the life. You there be to find it. Why? Because these are hidden treasures. And that's the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. In whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Christ has not been taught in most of the nominal churches. Because they think it's not necessary. It's not essential because when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, that you're saved, God loves you, you're all going to heaven. So there's nothing else in the work of the ministry that you're called for. And we find that in, through the Old Testament, it talked about many 
about the work of the ministry. In that work, he states there, and uh, not only Job talking about the rain, talked about a time of rain. In uh, Job 36, notice that he says uh, about this rain. In Job 36, and he said, Remember that thou magnify his work, the work of God. Magnify that work. And which men behold. Why magnify the work? Because that work is magnifying Jesus, seeing our good works and glorifying our Father which is in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every man may see it. Man may behold it afar off. We're led and got into all truth by the Spirit of God that searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The deep things of God are going through the doctrine of the sands of man, man-made doctrine, and digging deep and founding a rock. That rock is Christ. Now that Christ is the height, depth, length, and width of Christ when doing his work. We will do God's bidding. We will be God's body the body that is of Christ, that will be chosen for that generation that shall be counted for the seed, the Christ generation. Now, most do not realize that they're called for a great high work in the ministry of God, the Jesus ministry. They are to press toward that mark. That's not the beginning of the race. It is obtaining at the end of the race. That is going all the way from A to the Z. It's reaching the Z, the end of that alphabet. When we talk about the Hebrew alphabet, that work coming unto perfection, being sealed, is not going through the Aloph, Bet, Gamal, Daleth, the Hawk, going. It's all the way to the Tav, full salvation, being made partakers of his divine nature, in everything of faith. Not that works of the law. We're not talking about the works of the law. The work of the ministry is not works of the law. It's the works of the Holy Ghost. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. That's the reason the book of Acts does not have an amen on it. It doesn't have an end, the end on it. It's still in operation today. Not that we're going to add to the word or take away from it. but that is that God has provided some better thing for us that they, those that died in the faith, having never received the promise, without us should not be made perfect. You'll see that in Romans 8. The whole creation moaneth and groaneth in pain to be delivered into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. That's still happening. Moaning and groaning in pain to be delivered. The whole creation. And not only they, but we also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, do groan within ourselves. That's the Holy Ghost with groanings, according to the will of God, uh, speaking mysteries unto God to do His will. And we, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, Paul goes on to the church at Rome and says that we also, there are waiting for the adoption with groanings within us waiting for that adoption, to wit, which is the redemption of our bodies. We haven't been redeemed in our bodies yet. 
there is still a physical resurrection that will take place. And that will be at the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ at the last trump. Not all shall sleep, but all shall be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. There is the last trump. This is after seals, trumpets, and vows with the shout of God, the voice of the archangel, and that trump of God. That's not the seventh trumpet in Revelation. It's the last trump. It's the last shout of God in the voice of that archangel, Michael. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is after there comes a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. And that's told to us by Paul in 2 Thessalonians, that second letter to Thessalonica in the second chapter. That's the rapture, Harpazo. They were caught up to meet the Lord in the air, the day of Christ. But they won't, that won't come until they come a falling away first. Why? Because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul tells, states it, that the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the last days, the latter days, some shall depart from the faith. They were in it, but they departed from it. Given heed to the seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It's a spiritual transformation, the heart turning away from God. And we're warned of that. And Paul said, this will happen. There will be a falling away first. And the man of sin will be revealed. Who opposeth all that is God or that is worship, so that he as God setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. <clears throat> Paul said, remember you not when I was with you. I told you these things. This is faith in knowing those things which are coming upon the earth to try the earth. Jesus stated those that have kept the word of my patience that he will keep from the hour of temptation. That is the, this judgment of God that will try the earth. And we find that remember to magnify God's work. We see that in Psalm 36. I'm sorry, Job 36 verse 24. We'll also see it in David also in the Psalm. But he said uh, there, every man may see it. Man may behold it afar off. Behold, God is great. And we know him not. Neither can the, member, the number of his years be searched out. He goes on and says, for he maketh, watch it, he goes to the rain. He maketh small the drops of water. This is the washing water of the word. They pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, according to that truth thereof. And that is the distillation of the word. We have wheat, but it has to be grinding at the mill. It's a meat offering, and it has to be eaten of the good word of God. And that's called the rain. And it says that when the, which the clouds do drop and this uh, do it still 
even upon the earth, upon man, abundantly. That's the abundant life. But it's through the reign of the Holy Ghost. And it's a distillation process. That goes up, and it's the clouds of glory. And they have rain. Now, those that do not understand the work of God, they're, they're clouds, but with no water. The trees twice plucked up by the roots. These are the ones that do not understand there is a latter rain, a work of the ministry that we must enter into under perfection. Only those that come to the full measure of Jesus Christ will be used in that glory. It's the Christ generation. That's the reason in Matthew 1, you will see that there is 42 generations in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, Christ is not his surname. Jesus is his name. Jehovah is salvation. It's a one God message. And that Elijah in the last days is a one God message of Jesus' only doctrine of Christ. It's a Christ message. And that is that he alone, Christ, is God. Always has been God and always will be God. And notice that in Matthew 1, from Abraham to David are 14 generations. There, from David to the carrying away to Babylon, 14 generations. Now we're at 28. Now there'd be another 14 generation to carry us to the 42nd generation. But Jesus, there of whom is called Jesus, who was born Jesus, that is the 41st generation, not the 42nd. Why? Who is called Christ? That is the 42nd generation. Why? Because that is the Christ generation, the seed that shall be accounted for that generation in the last days in the Jesus ministry that will reveal Jesus in the fullness in the body of Christ. That's the work of the ministry, what each member in the latter days, these days, are called for. The work of the ministry, not the grace of the ministry. It's the work of the ministry. We're magnifying his work. And to do that, to be accounted worthy of that, is through tribulation and persecution that we endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. But Jeremiah 8, verse 7 said, My people do not know or understand judgment. The stork knows their appointed time, the crane and swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people, God said, know not the judgment of the Lord. And the judgment that God uh, institutes in the earth and executes his judgment will be in and through the body of Christ, the two witnesses, in Revelation 11. But we're measured before then. It was a read like unto a rod given to John, saying, Rise, measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. What altar? Well, that's your sacrificial life, not just your prayer life. That's your obedience unto righteousness. They read like unto a rod, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. That's not a physical iron brick and mortar temple. That's the body of Christ, the temple of God. What temple we are? No, you not. Paul said, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You're a servant of God, a servant of Christ, a servant of righteousness. And that requires obedience. In Romans 6, it states there 
that whosoever we yield our members to as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey. We can either, even with the Holy Ghost, still not obey the leading of the Holy Ghost and be led and guiding into all truth because we don't think it's essential or necessary. And those are the ones that do not magnify the work, the work of the ministry, the Jesus ministry, what we're called for, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And somebody says, well, I didn't know. We haven't heard that. Well, there is a generation called the Christ, this generation that shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. That is that last generation. That is the Christ generation mentioned in Matthew 1. It's a 42nd generation. That's what you and I in the real body of Christ are called for. Not talking about a local church body. I'm talking about the church, the living body of Christ, the general assembly and church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. That ecclesia, that called out elect body of Christ. And he said, he maketh small the drops of water. They pour down there of, of, and, and accordingly to the vapor thereof. It's distilled. It is a process that in the washing of the water of the word, that it will manifest as clouds that have water. We're not cisterns that have no water, broken cisterns at the well. We are cisterns that hold that water, the waters of salvation, the waters of truth. It's the washing water of the word. And that will come down as the rain. Now, the work of the ministry is that latter rain. We had the former rain in Acts. Acts, the second chapter, the Holy Ghost was given. That's the former rain, a moderate rain. But there's no amen at the end of the book of Acts. Why? Because it's still in operation. There's a latter rain in the final fruit harvest of God. The Pentecostal harvest was that of wheat and barley. That wheat and barley harvest is that corn harvest that we see of Pentecost. It entails the season of Passover and the season of Pentecost. That was fulfilled in the four Gospels of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and then the body of Christ receiving his spirit in Acts, the second chapter. That happened 2,000 years ago, two days ago. But now we're in the third day. God expects us to go on to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. And that is growing up the Christ in you as fathers, not newborn babies. Not growing up to be little children, just knowing that he's the father. But going into the work of the ministry, not just the person of Jesus, that he is the father of glory, but the work of the ministry. And that work of the ministry is where we go and do the works of God. And that is in obedience under righteousness. And we see that in 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I write unto you, Young men, you're not newborn babies desiring the sincere milk of the words you may grow thereby. You're not little children that simply know that Jesus is the Father. You know the person of God. He is Jesus Christ, the express image of his singular person. He is the Father. 
Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Those are little children, not a full grown. Then we go to that next step. I run to you young men because the word of God is strong in you. And what does that word magnify? Well, it magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ and his work, the work of the ministry, the Jesus ministry, the living epistle that you are in revealing Jesus to the world in fullness of power, demonstration of power of the Holy Ghost, not loving in word and in deed and in truth, not in word and tongue I'm talking about, but in deed and in truth, I'm sorry. We don't love in just word, but in deed and in truth. That is the work of the ministry in doing the will of God. Now, with that said, what is that work of the ministry? that we have to magnify. Job says, magnify his work. Well, we need to go on, and we find that it requires us to go to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We see that in the Psalms, he talks about the vapors again, the latter rain. Now, we're talking about that rain that we are called for now in Zechariah 10.1. Ask you of the Lord rain, in the time of the latter rain, those show the Lord will make bright clouds and forth showers to everyone grass in the field. Bright clouds, clouds that can hold water. Those are the ones that are in and partaking of the glory of God. Because Jesus would always in Christophanies stand there in a pillar of a cloud at the door of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. That was Christ. It was the Shekinah glory of God. Well, there's a cloud there, but the cloud there holds water. And the water then is distilled upon the earth and mankind, the revelation of Jesus Christ through the washing of the water of the word. And so in Psalm 135, he says the same thing. David talking about the same thing Job did. And he says uh, that Lord is good and uh, uh, we praise his name. But look at when he goes to, uh, verse 6 and 7. It said, Whatever the Lord uh, pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas, and all deep places, the deep things of God. The deep calleth unto the deep, and God answered, was answered by the water spouts. That's a leading of the Holy Ghost in us, in a whirlwind of truth that bringing us into the knowledges of God. Notice he says in Psalm 135 and uh, verse 7, he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth, the north, south, east, and west. He maketh lightnings for the rain and bringeth the wind out of his treasures. That treasures of God is Christ, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's the Christ that will be revealed through the body of Christ, not the ones that have just been born again, not the ones that have grown up the little children that know that Jesus is the Father, not just to the young men that have the word of God that is strong in them, and they've overcome the wicked one. It's still a step higher. It's that sealing in Revelation 7 of the apocalyptic sealing of the servants of God in their forehead through the word of God in obedience. Now notice that that work of the ministry is 
that we all come into the unity of the faith. It's the edifying of the body of Christ, of which every joint, every joint supplies. We have to come together, bone to bone. And then that joint edifies one another, whichever joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love. The body of Christ has to come together. And they do it through speaking the same things, one mind, one accord, in the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God is not just knowing that Jesus is that spirit, but it's in the work of the ministry. No two can walk together except they be agreed. And that knowledge of the Son of God is not gnosko, the general knowledge that we know, do not know Jesus after the flesh, but after the spirit. Those are little children. But it's growing up the epigenosco. That's the knowledge of the Son of God, that knowledge of Christ, that he is God Almighty, and we've come up to the measure of the statue of Jesus. It's epigenosco, epi, much higher knowledge. Not gnosco, epigenosco. To what point, to what glory do we come up to? from glory to glory, in the full image of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's stating there. The work of the ministry, for the edifying of itself in love, till we all come into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, full measure statue of Jesus, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's where we are. That's for the work of the ministry. And those that are perfected, that go on knowing the work of God, they're magnifying his work and overcoming the, the world, the devil, and their own flesh, will then go to that next step in the word. They're called fathers. Now, what are these fathers? First John, in his epistle, 2, 12 through 14, states, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that's from the beginning. I have written unto you, fathers, because you've known him that's from the beginning. He says it twice. What is that? That's the word of God. He's known him that's from the beginning. And from the beginning, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. The fathers know him, the word the work of the ministry that we are all called for according to the measure of each individual particular part. That's what he says uh, there in Ephesians 4, that he will fitly frame us together, compacting that, that is sealing us, according to the measure of every part, the measure of faith given to each individual in that particular call or purpose of God and the will of God for each member to be fitly framed together and then compacted in one body, sealed in one body. And that sealing is those that are of full age. Charity. Charity is not love. Charity is the love of God based in doing his will. That's a big difference. It's a Godfield, yes, but loving not in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Those that love God do not do it, but just in word and in tongue. Jesus stated, you draw close to me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. It's that doing the will of God. 
and by doing that and seeing these good works that Jesus is that we are perfected in him. Notice that in Revelation, the second and the third chapter, that the first thing that Jesus says to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, I know thy works. He's looking for this works of the ministry. The ministry is him, the Jesus ministry. And that will be the restitution of all things and fulfilling Jesus' week. He was cut off in the midst of the week, three and a half year ministry. Jesus did not do anything in three and a half. It's a full seven, the perfected glory of God, seven. Everyone knows that is a perfect number of God. Well, in that book of the Revelation, it's the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Prophecy, the Feast of Sevens, the Feast of All Feasts. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. For what reason? To show unto his servants things. That's not Pentecostal things. That's not beginning to run the race. That's not two days ago, 2,000 years ago, in Pentecostal glory. It's the final epoch that the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation. Yes, that's foundation, Christ. But now we have to go not only the depth, but the height. We have to bring forth the cornerstone, the headstone, crying grace, grace unto it. The hands of Zerubbabel, the church, have laid the foundation. His hands, uh, that's a work of God, will finish it. And that is the final headstone, capstone, the full body of Christ coming to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man. Not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind that we're proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for each one of us in, according to that measure of faith given to each individual part. Coming together, it will reveal Jesus only. He will be the head and we will be the body of the Christ. It's into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ into a perfect man. Now, it's the work, the work of the ministry that will go forth and this gospel of the kingdom being preached unto all world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. When we find that this is what Isaiah mentioned about the work in Isaiah 28, it is a strange work. It's a work in judgment. And bringing to pass his act, his strange act. This has surprised the hypocrite had no idea that we were called for the work of the ministry. They thought, well, I've just asked Jesus to come in my heart. I said a sinner's prayer. I'm saved. No. You have to grow up in him in all things, uh, and that is coming to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ for the work of the ministry, magnifying his work. Now we see that the judgments of God in Isaiah 5, he talks about this judgment of God. The saints of God will render judgment in the earth as you read about in Revelation 10, Revelation 11, and Revelation 12. And the judgments of God in Revelation 15 will be revealed and seen in the earth. And with judgments in the earth, men will learn righteousness. But those that had pleasure in unrighteousness will be damned because they received not the love of the truth. They might be saved, but had pleasure in unrighteousness and not realizing that there was a work to do. Notice that in 
the gospel uh, there and John, he talked about this work that eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood, we will come to that measure, the statue of Jesus, unto perfection in the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, that that's what we are called for. Be you therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. That is growing up into Jesus in all things and all truth. And he says in Isaiah 5 and uh, verse, well, let's take it at verse uh, 10, yea, or verse 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink that continue until night till wine inflame them. Now, with Mystery Babylon, somebody says, what is that? Well, it's the wine of the wrath of her fornication. It's a false church drunk, and the nation's drunken with the wine of Mystery Babylon, saying, I'm a queen, I am no widow, I will see no sorrow, no tribulation, no persecution, no birth pangs for me. There's nothing that's going to there come upon me as the queen. That is a false church. He goes on and says, watch in the church, there's the harp and the vial, the tabret and the pipe, and the wine are in their feast. That's a church gathering for all the musical, praising God, and gathering for corn and wine, and thank God for it, giving praise. But notice, it says, but they regard not the work of the Lord. That's Isaiah 5, verse 12. They regard not the work of the Lord. They don't know they're called for the work of the ministry. They don't know that the body of Christ has to come together for the last day revelation of Jesus Christ uh, and proclaiming his name and the glory of it to the fullness, to the whole earth as a witness unto all nations. And then the end will come. And it says they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. That is the operation of God in the earth in judgment. Now we see in Psalm 149 that the saints of God, this honor have all the saints to bind their kings in chains, their nobles in fetters of barn to render the judgment written and the vengeance upon the people. That's to the saints. That's a high calling of God in Christ Jesus, Psalm 149. Well, that's what's happening here. And Isaiah said they were guarding up that work. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. They don't have a knowledge of the work of God. They don't know they're called for that. And because of that, and their honorable men are famished, no word, and their multitudes dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged himself, herself, and opened her mouth without measure. Oh, my goodness. This is a heaven or hell issue. I didn't say it. The Lord did. The word of God states that. We must do the will of God. If we do not do the will of God in bringing forth the works, the work of the ministry that Jesus has called us for, then we will be deceived in that mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harvest and abomination of the earth, and be drunk with the wine of her fornication, saying it doesn't have anything to do with us. There is no work that we're called for. I said, a queen, I am no widow. 
I will see no sorrow. That's what she says. Not realizing. They're gathering for corn and wine, not considering the work of God. And because of that, we find that there is a wrath upon the people. The trumpet is now sounding. Who will hear for the time to come? To the, to the law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. To the testimony. That's the testimony of Jesus. If any man speak not according to this word, it is because there is no life in him. There is a great rain coming ahead in the latter rain of the Holy Ghost. Look at Amos 4, verse 7. And he says, And also I have withholden the rain from you. Why would God withhold the rain? When they were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and that it rained not there upon another. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. And still they would not come to God. It's judgment. God causes a rain upon one city, not on another, to get us to turn to God. It's a judgment of God, not to destroy us, but to get us to turn to him. He states that in the Deuteronomy 32, that is this not sealed up among my treasures? This is treasures of God. And he states, for the Lord will judge his people, repent himself of the evil, the tribulation, the trouble. Babylon says, I won't see that. I will have no sorrow. I have no birth pain. But yet God said, yes, you will. And he said uh, in Amos 9, verse 9, that God has commanded to sift all the house of Israel with the nations, through the nations. That's God sifting. Not the least grain will fall upon the ground. But I'll destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword. By God's sword. Let's say no evil, no trouble, no tribulation shall prevent nor overtake us. It's a, it is a salvational issue. It is... Uh, coming to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ and doing his will. Matthew 7, if we don't do that, even though we're little children born again, and we don't grow up and do his will and the work of the ministry and the work of his hands and magnify his work and the call for the work of the ministry in Ephesians 4.11. Then he says, not all the saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Because they did not do the will of God. They didn't do these works of righteousness. Not of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith. And because of that, they will begin to profess unto Jesus, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. In your name, we've cast out devils. In your name, we prophesied. Jesus said, he will pronounce unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness, but being led of the Holy Ghost into all truth, not partial truth, not Pentecostal truth, but going on. And right now, the body of Christ is pretty well asleep. And there, awake thou that sleepest, and how thy drunkard, and how for the new wine is cut off from you. Why? Because we're not considering the work of God. We're not magnifying his work. We're gathering for corn and wine. There for the vial and the harp and all that to praise God, but none regarding the work of his hands, the work of the ministry. And that's what God is trying to get us to do. And he'll use judgment there, just as he said, the, and this not, is not 
This not sealed up among my treasures, saith God. For the Lord will judge his people and repent himself of the evil, the trouble, when he sees their power's gone. That is coming to the end of our flesh, crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, and there's none shut up or left. What will it reveal? That Jesus alone is God. He is the Lord. He is the Father of glory. And he'll say, see now that I am God and there's not another. Beside me, there is no other God. I know not any. We think there's three persons in the Godhead. That's what's being preached for the most part. And it is a total, complete lie. God will use judgments in the last days to prove exactly and reveal who he is in the revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and has come, the Almighty God. Revelation 1.8. And he says, now, say that I am he, I am God, and beside me there is no other God. I know not any. There's no Son of God sitting there with the Father. <laughs> he said, I know not any. If there was a Son, he'd say, I know the Son of God. But the Son of God is the Father revealed. The Father is the Son of God revealed. The Father is the invisible spirit of the Son of God. The Son of God is the invisible spirit of the Father revealed. There you have it. Christ is the Father. Christ is the Son. Christ is that spirit in both offices and all offices of the Spirit of God. That's Christ. So who is a liar that he denied that Jesus is the Christ? The Spirit of God. He has, he's Antichrist. He's denied the Father. Why? The Father's the invisible Spirit of God. Christ is that Spirit. And he's denied the Son. 1 John 2.22. Why? Because the Son is the Father revealed. That's Christ. It's the same Spirit. And whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That revelation is required to be born of God. 1 John 5.20. I'm sorry. 1 John 5.1. 1 John 5.20. Then he, the, the Son of God has come. That's the Spirit. You see that in, in Galatians 4, verse 6. God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. Why? Because the Son of God is that Spirit. There's only one Spirit of God. In the days of his flesh, he was a man. He went back to his former glory. And God now sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, whereby we cry, have a Father. Galatians 4, 6. 1 John 5, 20, the Son of God is come. That's the Spirit of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Son of God in you. Manifesting the Son of God in and through you, just as Paul stated. There, the Son of God has come and give us, giving us an understanding of him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, Keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And the epistle of John in. We, in the body of Christ, are called for the work of the ministry. That work is a great work. That is pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, in a perfect image of Jesus is what we're called for. Whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And them that he did predestinate, them he called. Many called and chosen. And them that he called he justified. Justification by faith. Don't stop there. And those that he justified them, he also glorified. Still hadn't been glorified yet. 
to be glorified to the image of Jesus Christ. The full image. That's the work of the ministry for the time, times and a half, three and a half years, 42 months of the Jesus ministry going to all the world for a witness in all nations, preaching this everlasting gospel to all. Then the end will come. That's what we're called for. Let's strive to enter in at that straight gate, pressing toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're praying for each one, that God perfect that which is lacking in every one of us, in each one of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.